Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, you'll hear from Zach Caleros and Kyle Walters as the Blue Bombers have made him the man at quarterback. We'll hear from Caleros on why he's coming back. Walters on the departure of Matt Nichols and what's ahead in free agency. And then a conversation I had with Mackenzie Zacharias and Jacques Gauthier, who each skipped their Manitoba teams to gold medals at the Canadian Junior Curling Championships. Getting ready to head to Russia for the Worlds. That's all on the podcast. We continue today, though, with the news of the signing of Zach Caleros. As a Winnipeg Blue Bombers quarterback, he got into town last night. Or you know what? Let's let him explain his last 24 hours. Very happy we got a deal done. Flew in last night. Uh, had dinner with Darren and um, starting the day off today with this. So, um, yeah, very excited to be back in Winnipeg. Um, you know, from the moment the season ended, my wife and I talking about it, it was, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer if they want us to come back there. And, um, again, kudos to my agent for um, doing a great job and, you know, having to have those hard conversations and um, just happy to be back here. Happy to be back. And why did Zach Caleros want to come back to this team? Family obviously matters. I mean, it's probably the number one thing. Um, but, you know, from a football standpoint, you know, being in this building last year um, was, for me, like, kind of a reborn again kind of thing. Like, you know, having fun at work again. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, hats off to Kyle and, and Osh, you know, for building that culture. And then my teammates just for welcoming me. And then just being the, the people that they are, you know, they just want to win football games. And uh, everybody understands their role. So, um yeah, it was again. It was a no-brainer from a football standpoint. Obviously, there's other factors that factor in, but um, this is also a job, and you want to make a living. So you want to uh, put yourself in the best situation um, to play well. And uh, we thought this was the place. And he was able to corral nearly a million dollars over the two years with some performance bonuses as well. Some thinking that's maybe more than he should have gotten for someone that played four games last year and has had injury history, I remind you, he won the Grey Cup for the Blue Bombers. And I don't think anyone here really cares that much unless it would result in some other great player like Willie Jefferson not being able to be signed. But that's that's for later on in this show. We'll hear from Kyle Walters after the 7.30 news. On Caleros, though, on the lengths he went to make sure it was still safe for him to play football. We went we went to some lengths in our time there in Toronto, and that's uh, uh, mainly because of that organization, the Argonauts. You know, they they wanted to sit me down in front of the best people that they knew, whether it was a neurosurgeon, a you know, a uh, just a regular family doctor. You know, we checked a lot of those boxes off, and uh, learned a lot along the way, um, not just about brain health, but overall health and. Um, you know, through, through that process, um, you know, being able to bring my wife along with me and kind of easing her mind um, made the decision to keep playing easier. Um, I think I said on the radio earlier, you know, if she said, let's not do this anymore, I probably would have been like, okay, yeah, you're right. But, um, again, having spoken to a lot of the people that we did in Toronto as well as the doctors here uh, when I first arrived, uh, definitely put uh, my mind at ease and, uh just love this game, so I'm excited to keep playing. And so did his play last year prove to people that doubted he could still play because of the concussions? Oh, I, I'm, I don't know if it showed 
than anything. I think people are going to always have questions with that, and, and rightfully so, and I appreciate people's concern. Um, obviously, some people come at it a different way, but, um, you know, I just last year just wanted to prove I could still play. That's it, you know. That's, you just, as a football player, this is this is my job. This is what I've done my whole life, and uh, you just want to go out there and play. So that's all I kind of wanted to do, and if it proves the strangers that uh, I'm still healthy, then that's that's cool. Today, Caleros was asked when he made, when did he make the decision to try and get a deal with Winnipeg done. I don't I don't know how much I really thought about it after the Great Cup. You know, we were kind of enjoying it, and at the same time, I think we were transi- transitioning into American Thanksgiving, so I think we headed right home for that and uh, kind of just enjoyed being around my family. Um, but just you know, conversations that I'd, I'd have with my wife and. Um, you know, my family, her family, you know, everybody kind of thought it was a no-brainer, like I said, from a football standpoint. Um, obviously, we, we thought we'd have some other um, options out there had I kind of free agency, but um, I'd be lying to you if I said I, I wasn't hoping to, to get something deal or to get something done here. Now, let's take a look at the offense and what he thinks – It'll look like with Buck Pierce in charge. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to uh, to get started uh, with Buck and, and see what what he like. I mean, obviously, speaking with him last year, it was always him and Lapo together in that room. So I know there's there's a lot of similarities and and things that they like. But you know, but with Buck playing the position, and I'm sure there's gonna be some little wrinkles that he likes to do, and maybe things that we hadn't done in the past, and um, him getting more familiar with my skill set and what you know how I see the game how I see the field um, I'm re- just really excited to to get to work on those kind of things the concepts the philosophy behind it and you know and, and every year you know I, I always try to watch the NFL and, and take things from that league as well just you know if you watch like the Niners the Niners the way they run the football reminds me a lot of the way that we did last year with all the different motions and everything and then their pass game off it is just incredible so if you can find those little wrinkles and, and implement those and and I think that's what's what's great about Buck and what's great about Lapo last year is they're very open to ideas and conversations, and it makes a really good uh, work environment, and I think it helps game plans. So what are his expect- expectations for 2020? Uh, you know, obviously, you just want to win. You want to win every game you play in, right? Um, we'll set goals here as we as we get get moving. I'm really excited to get started, but, um, you know, again, obviously the expectation is to win, and uh, couldn't ask to be around a better group of guys to, to do that with. As we move on to Kyle Walters, the GM of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers today, talking to the media about picking Caleros over Nichols. There's a lot of factors. I mean, there's been a lot of hours on the phone, a lot of discussion, a lot of input um, from everybody. And, you know, we had talked about prior that we're, you know, Ted, Danny, Ryan, myself, Mike, we'd have discussions. We wanted to wait until Buck was secured in that position and obviously have feedback from, from Buck and, Asset. It, it was gut wrenching. I mean, you know, when the decision was made that this was the we we're going to prioritize Zach, that was the route. You know, we're going to see if we can get him under contract. And you know, Matt's been nothing but a you know, a, a great teammate, great friend to many in this organization. And I have to say, we're as of right now, plan. This is the plan right here. It was you know, gut wrenching is a good word for it. Well, swung it in Zach's direction. Yeah, there's just so many. You know, Hours and hours of conversation and back and forth, and and, and I just think ultimately, uh, you know, down the stretch there with the way Zach played at that level, um, you know, 
getting us over the hump winning a Grey Cup, I, I believe, earned him the right to, to you know, first write a refusal in regard to the, the, the offer. And what about the negotiating process with Calaros and his agent? As normal, I guess. It's just, you know, they, they all seem... <laughs> I, I'm, you're cautiously optimistic when you go in that they're going to go a certain way and, and you have discussions and you do your, your, your due diligence and figure it out and they never quite go the way you, you expect and it's a back and forth. But, you know, I, I get along with his agent fairly well and we can have open, frank discussions and... and um, I believe there was an open line of communication throughout the entire process, which which led me to believe that it was going to get done. Um, you know, at certain points, you start talking contingency plans, and, and if this doesn't go our way, but you're having those discussions with everybody, um, regardless of, of position. It's just, you know, it, it went normal, I would say. And now, Walters talked about letting Nichols know that they were going to talk to Calaris about him coming back and saying, sorry, Matt, it's not you, it's us, and making sure he knew from them before it got out in the media. The way we handle things, and, and we all know Mike, and, and Mike wanted to make sure that, you know, Zach, that, that, that Matt didn't hear secondhand, or, or once you start having serious discussions with, with Zach and, and his agent, that chances are it was going to get out. And out of respect for Matt, um, it was told that, here's here's plan a and um that we're going to start negotiating with zach and because because didn't want it to come out through media or something like that that this was going on seems and, like and a bit unorthodox kind of because there's no guarantee that you're signing zach but you're committing to him really without putting anything sure out. on that note it, it could have been so if, again we've had this discussion and if if mike didn't make that call to matt and we just had secret negotiations for lack of a better term trying to secure zach before letting matt know i think it's highly unlikely with the duration that it would have gotten out anyways that i don't think you know matt nichols and his agent were going to find out over the weeks of conversations with uh zach i just think it's unrealistic to think in today's day and age with social media and discussions that you know that that could happen, and, and and Mike certainly didn't want Matt to find out through social media or any other way that we were negotiating contract with Zach behind his back. Now, as part of picking who they wanted to be their quarterback, how much did they weigh the injury history of those two men? Uh, first on Zach, I mean, the, we did our due diligence prior to the trade. The doctors gave a, you know... You know the, the the medical teams on all the organizations shared information that was quite confident he was cleared and medically ready to go. Our doctors were had a little bit more trepidation prior to him play, after the season when he went through and, and played. They're ecstatic at his health status right now. Uh, Matt, yeah, Matt didn't finish the year, but you know, organizationally, when Matt's name came up with the injury and and. You know, our therapy staff and our doctors, we've been, you know, communicating with them that Matt, Matt's work ethic is second to none. Um, he's progressing along. And if if the decision was Matt Nichols, I don't think anybody had it, would have doubted the fact that he would be ready to go. So I, that wasn't as big a – the health wasn't as big a – you know, when we started talking which route, there wasn't a ton of talk about Matt just because – you know, we know the type of guy he is and how hard he's going to work and believe that he will be ready to roll. 
So we've talked about Caleros and a bit about Nichols. Walter's also expanded on the future of not just Nichols, but Chris Streveler. Chris is dialed in on the NFL right now. He's had some workouts. He, his was delayed a little bit versus versus some of the other guys just to get himself in complete health. But his NFL workouts are going pretty well from what I understand. And uh, he is dialed in on those. And, and I think we'll see. But I, I anticipate him getting some serious interest from the NFL from what I, my understanding right now. And, and Matt is, you know, we're, uh, I had a good conversation with Matt last night. We're going to release him this morning so that he can get a he can get a jump start on free agency and and he uh, he wants to find a spot where he can be the starter. So he's not thinking about he's not thinking about anything else other than finding the best fit for him to have an opportunity to start. So you know, could both of those scenarios factor in? Potentially, yes. But neither one of those players wants to think about that right now. And that's what Bob Irving reported yesterday, that he thinks Traveler is gone. And what we've seen in the past with NFL is just because you sign a contract now doesn't mean you can't come back later on. We've seen a lot of guys go try it. They play down there for a bit, and then they come back. Another player in that conversation is Willie Jefferson. We'll hear more on that later on in the show. But looking at the backup situation... Now, is it Sean McGuire? Yes, yeah, figured out now, but Sean made a very good impression on everybody. But again, young quarterback, unknown, but he showed enough to, to have everybody excited and, and see how he progresses into his second year. So as, as I said, he's second on the depth chart. And, and I think you're seeing, like where, where you said the days of a veteran, I think, I think the pay of the number one quarterbacks now are, are certainly going to limit the pay of your number two quarterbacks around the league, which is why I think you're, you're going to start seeing a lot of you know, younger guys based on pay structure getting an opportunity as number twos around the league. Now, a moment ago, Walters talked about how we talked to Matt Nichols last night. How did that conversation go? He understands it's a business, and he was thankful for the opportunity. And I, and, um, I don't want to get into too much of the specifics, but he, um, as I said, he was... We had a, we had a polite conversation, and at the end, it was agreed upon that yeah, I think it's a it's perfectly fair for him to get a jump start on free agency and, and be released so that he can start, you know, figuring out where he wants to be next year and the best opportunity for him to play and and, and start. I've seen reports that Toronto is a place that he will be meeting with the brass soon. Doesn't surprise me because. Really, it's Ottawa and Toronto, the only two without a quarterback. Ottawa wants to sign Nick Arbuckle. They have his rights, so that would leave Toronto. So we'll see how that goes for Matt. Kenzie Zacharias and Jacques Gauthier each skipped their Manitoba teams to gold at the Canadian Junior Curling Championships in BC on Sunday. Zacharias and her team of third Carly Burgess, second Emily Zacharias, and lead Lauren Lennon-Zine never lost en route to the title. Capping it off with a 10-3 win over Alberta in the final. Gauthier in Team Manitoba 2, because there were two teams. Third, Jordan Peters. Second, Braden Payette. And lead, Zach Balaka. Lost at the start of the week. And that was it. Went on a big run, finishing it off with an 8-6 win over a pesky Newfoundland team. Both skips made the trip to our studios here at Polo Park today to talk about their successes and look ahead to the Worlds in Russia. Jock, how does it feel to be a Canadian champion? Uh, indescribable. Uh, it's still setting in, actually. It's been a crazy, I guess now over 24 hours, but it's starting to get a lot more real as, as time goes on. Mackenzie? 
Yeah, same here. I still can't believe that uh, we're going to represent Canada in a few weeks in Russia. Um, just very excited and just can't wait for the opportunity. So you mentioned the last 24, 48 hours. How many messages did you get on your phone after you won the title? Countless. Yeah, and they just keep coming in, actually. I got another couple this morning and just everybody reaching out on Instagram, Twitter, text, Snapchat. It's 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 been wild. Yeah, same here. Just so many messages right after. Um, it was so cool to see how many people were actually watching the event live on TV. And just everyone's support was so amazing, and it's just incredible. Now, for you, Jacques, uh, it was you mentioned on TV. It was an interesting experience for you because your mom was part of the broadcast team. Right, yeah. Kathy Gauthier doing some commentary. Did you get some ribbing for that? What was that like for you to have your mom in the booth for that? Uh, it's nice, actually, because this year... Uh, I couldn't really hear her, I couldn't really see her because she was kind of in her own little glass house there. But um, What, could you see her last year? I could see her last year and hear her last year. Okay. They didn't have glass actually in front of the announcers. Okay. So you could hear her and Ooh. Brian like talking like actually, that. yeah. <laughs> but, but this year was a lot better because I okay. couldn't hear her the whole time. But, um, uh, you know, after the game and even I made a, a shot in eight and the TSN crew kind of had her reaction after I, I made it. That, so that, yeah. that was really cool to see. But, um, yeah, it was uh, – it was. I actually got a lot of uh, compliments on her just being unbiased as possible, right, for, mm-hmm. for me being in the final. It didn't really seem like she had a kid in the no, final. I, so. I agree with that. Watching the broadcast, I think she did a really good job. Obviously, there were moments when her momness came through. Right, For sure, exactly. but that's natural. And for you, Mackenzie, your, your dad's the coach. So, uh, and your sister's on the team, Emily, so it was kind of a family experience for you. And having pretty much your whole family there watching, what was that like as you got the title? Yeah, it was super special. I mean, me and my sister, we've been playing together since I was about 10 years old and she was eight. So we've been playing together for a long time, around 10 years. And this was always the end goal, always the goal to get to nationals and hopefully one day maybe win it. And we were able to do that this year. And then with my dad as a coach, too, it's just super special. And to do it without losing, was that part of the plan? <laughs> Definitely didn't expect to do that. I mean, just a little bit of an added bonus. I felt like that we just went into the event with the goal of doing our very best and hopefully giving ourselves a chance to win. And um, we were just able to do that and able to perform well, and it worked out. Now, one of the parts of junior curling is that parts of teams age out, but some players stick around. So you were a third last year? Right. And now you're the skip. Right. And your team changed too, Mackenzie. You mm-hmm. added a couple different players. Yeah. So that transition, as you kind of are the same team, but it's a new-ish team, bringing last year's experience to this year, how much did that help you in your final year as a junior? I mean, we definitely had growing pains at the beginning of the year, uh, not only just kind of getting used to each other, but we were all playing new positions this year. Like I was skipping, uh, Jordan was playing third, Braden's always skipped, so he was playing second this year. And uh, I think kind of going through the motions in there in, early in the year kind of helped us out later in the year. And then by the time we got to nationals, I think for me and Jordan, we were kind of used to to the lights and the atmosphere. And for Zach, he was at Canada Games, so that helped him as well. And Braden just adapted kind of flawlessly to it. So we kind of took it as a completely new team uh, into nationals, and I thought that helped us settle in. And for you, Mackenzie, to bring in two people from the East Coast uh, who also were kind of without teams. We talked about this before you went off, but how much did their experience help you this year? Yeah, I mean, their team, um, they had some players aging out last year, so they were looking for a team this year, and they decided to make the move west, which was very exciting for me and Emily. And um, yeah, they, they had a wealth of experience from Nationals last year, placing bronze, and 
Carly and Lauren have also represented Canada before at the World Juniors, so they have a wealth of experience going into World Juniors, and we're definitely going to rely on them going into this event. Just from a strategy standpoint, I know it's Lauren throws lead but holds the broom for you. Yeah. What's the rationale behind that? Yeah, so Lauren actually used to skip for PEI for many years, so she went to nationals, I think, twice for Prince Edward Island. So she she was a great skip as well, and she throws a great rock and really adapted at lead really well. And she calls line just fantastic. So I think the rationale was just that we wanted her to hold the broom because she's done that all her life. And Carly is a great sweeper. So if she could sweep with Emily, that would that worked well for our team. And a lot has been made, too, of the history that Carly made getting another gold medal. Yeah, yeah, that's just fantastic. This is Carly's third gold medal at Canadian Juniors. Uh, it's a history for um, women in the Canadian Juniors, and it's just fantastic to see that. And Jacques, that's your girlfriend, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and how proud are you of her? Yeah, very much so. And so for you, you're watching the women's final on Sunday, but you're also getting ready for your own. How right. how how do you kind of balance being a fan but also trying to get ready for your own final? It was in the weirdest way. It was kind of exactly what I needed because I kind of woke up with a lot of jitters, a lot of anxiety, and uh, I think watching them win, like I was more nervous watching them than when I played because at least I get to throw the rock or I get right. to make the call. But for them, I just kind of kind of had to sit and watch. And when they won, um, it was just such a relief to me that they that they finished it off, and it allowed me to kind of settle settle down and kind of just focus on my own thing. Because I think if we would have played first, not only would I've been focusing on my game, I've been thinking about Carly's game later on in the afternoon. Whereas after they won, I could just think about us, kind of just taking care of uh, our job, and uh, it, it kind of helped me settle into our game. And for you, Mackenzie, you just got to sit back and I don't want to say relax because I'm sure y'all were nervous watching them play too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so let's go through the finals. You you took on Newfoundland, right? And you had the lead the whole way, but they never went away. No. So was there at any point a time where you thought we got this, or did it take till the very end? Uh honestly, after eight, I thought we had a good chance. I, I know, like, statistically speaking, what our chances were, but in a Canadian final, you can't count on anything. Uh, I, I didn't really even start thinking about winning until uh, I put the broom down and I had to throw because we played a perfect 10th end, but that still means that, you know, a flash here or there, like, they're still right back in it. So once I had to throw, I just had to make one shot to win. That's when the only time where I was thinking, well, hey, like, we could actually win this thing, as weirdly as that sounds. And Mackenzie, for your team, also led the whole game, basically. A couple chances to get two, you only get one, and then you get four in yeah. the eighth end. Did you allow yourself to think about the the end, the finish line at that point? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the game was really tight um, up until the eighth end. We traded a bunch of singles, and the Alberta team made a couple of fantastic shots, and we had a couple opportunities and just couldn't, Things weren't quite working out, which is a little bit nerve-wracking. Um, but then in the eighth end, I thought everyone on the team played a great great end, and they left me with a with a hard shot, but it was a makeable shot for four. And Lauren called a fantastic line, and the girls swept it absolutely just perfect, and it ended up working out. And after that point, I think Carly came to us, and she's just like, hey, guys, we just got to breathe. We got two more ends. We just got to breathe and just get through it because in juniors, you never know what's going to happen with two ends left to play in the, in the Canadian finals. So... Uh, we were able to have a really strong night and then finish it off, and it was, uh, yeah. I guess that just shows you the veteran leadership of a yeah. gold medalist, right? Yeah, Car- exactly. That Carly brings to your team. So what now as you get ready? When are the juniors, by the way? Uh, like mid-February. Okay, yeah. so we they're coming up. 10th, yeah. So what happens now between now and then, Mackenzie? 
a lot. <laughs> so we all have a pretty large list of stuff that we have to do to get ready. Um, we have a couple celebrations that we're having, and there's just a lot of stuff to prepare. And it's it's Russia, so we're not sure exactly what to expect. Okay. So we're trying to figure that all that, all that stuff out, and we have some people that are going to help us. So how yeah. long's the flight? Well, which one? I think we're yeah. doing like four or five <laughs> of them. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Do you get to participate in the? The Manitoba, the Viterra? We do. We do. Yeah. Because so I know, Mackenzie, you can't do the Scotty because they start today yeah. or tomorrow. They start yeah. tomorrow. But you guys have the chance to, to play in that. Right. Yeah. We qualified for that. So first of all, that I mean, that was an awesome opportunity. Like before we even played in junior provincials, you're we all really excited because many people play their whole lives and never make a Viterra. So we were super, super excited to be able to be, take part in that. And then Going to juniors, you know, at, at nationals, you're thinking, well, even if we don't win this, we can still compete in the men's provincials coming home. And now, you know, all of our, sh- our focus has shifted to Russia, and we're just going to use it kind of as practice, right? Because the, right. the worlds are going to be on an arena, and so that's going to be in a, an arena, and it's going to be awesome competition. I mean, every team there is going to be really, really good. So not only are we going to have to focus on, you know, what we're going to do with school and stuff like that, we're also going to have to play and have to practice. So... We're going to be really busy, but it's going to be really good for us. Hey, you mentioned school. I guess you you come back from BC yesterday afternoon, and I'm sure you got some catching up to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to do. Um, yeah, there's a lot of talking to, progress- to professors and, like, moving assignments, moving midterms, and um, hopefully everyone's just super accommodating so we can make that all work. Well, again, you could probably do some of the work on the plane because mm-hmm. you're right. going to be on <laughs> yeah. for, like, 20 hours. Yeah, yeah. but, but for, uh, for your schoolwork you weren't sure you might have this week or so that you need to not do schoolwork for yeah. because hey by the way prof i'm going to russia yeah just just yeah. just this just fell on my plate sorry <laughs> yeah so i i'm assuming neither of you have been to russia before nope, nope. definitely not <laughs> yeah, nope. what's the longest flight you've ever been on mine was actually going to bc sadly it was like three <laughs> oh. hours so this will oh, be boy. different we uh I got picked up as the alternate a couple of years ago for my cousin when they went to Scotland for the Worlds. Okay. And so uh, I think it was Toronto. It was Toronto to uh, London, which was like six hours. So okay. even that's a pretty cushy flight. Like that's not too bad considering you could fly across Canada and it would take you longer to do that. So so you guys are breaking new ground here. Oh, <laughs> big oh yeah. Time. Big time, yep. I've got no tips for you because I'm 6'5 and every flight is miserable <laughs> for me. But um, lastly, just the thought of wearing the maple leaf. I'm sure this has been something that you've dreamt about for a long time, Mackenzie. But to be able to put on that jacket in a few weeks, what will that moment be like? Yeah, that's I think when it's going to really sink in that we're a part of Team Canada now and that we get to go represent Canada and Russia and I'm just super excited to be able to put on that jacket and step onto the ice. And hopefully it's just a great week for everyone. And I just, I still can't believe that it's actually happening. And Jacques? Yeah, I, same thing. That was very well put. I mean, it's not going to feel real until we get the jackets and they got our names on the back of it. But to be able to wear that and to keep that as a memory for the rest of our life is, is one thing. But um, yeah, I can't wait to represent Canada alongside these guys as well. It's going to be a true honor, and yeah, hopefully we both have good weeks. Well, congratulations to both of you. Congratulations to your team. We'll be uh, keeping track of how you guys do overseas, and uh, yeah, best of luck. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I dig you're out of luck. But Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. 
You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?